You're listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast, the new brand of AM radio. Welcome back. It's been a little bit of a layoff here, but here we are. Ants Podcast, episode number 25, our silver anniversary, our little silver celebration here. Um, I'm Matt, and with me are Jake and Joe. How's it going, guys? Good. I Hello. went out of the room to get a glass of wine, and all of a sudden you're recording, so I had no idea. Well, I, I think we've kind of dawdled enough here. We've been screwing around here, doing the Ustream broadcast for the Ants Plus members, and... You yeah, know, but it's, the, the people that don't uh, join the Ustream, we we bicker and and yell at each other for about thirty minutes before we hit the record button. Right, and then we then all of a sudden we're friends again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we hit the button. Then we hit the button and we rip each other apart. What we said about each other. <laughs> well, Pretty much, yeah. That's Joe's pulling back the curtain. <laughs> well, one of these days we'll do a behind the scenes, you know. So how long's it been since our last podcast? Where we pulled one off and like. July, maybe? June or July? No, August. August, I think. Well, Joe and I did one off the record, but that, that was about you because you were sleeping. Yeah, that was that yeah, a while. Listen, when you drive cross-country, it takes a lot of energy. <laughs> and we didn't play, like, any of the... Uh, well, yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's off the record. Well, I mean, here we are. We're wrapping up a decade of, of the band. Um, we have, since the last uh, podcast... I've, believe we finished a tour i think we had one before the end of the tour so we finished the summer tour uh dave and tim just played three dates in vegas um last weekend yeah and about that so word is that it's going to be released in february uh at least according to amazon i don't know if you guys know anything more than that a little surprised that they decided to uh to release it that quickly but you know, it, it seems to be something that people really want. They want to hear the the new stuff in Dave and Tim form. From what I've heard of it, uh, it all sounded pretty good. Really converted over pretty well. Even Time Bomb, which was a little surprising, and Shake Me Like a Monkey, both sounded pretty good. I love listening to the new stuff acoustic. It, like it's a whole separate song, and uh, and I love it. I think it's great. And I'm jealous of all the people that got to go to the, the three Vegas shows. I mean, people, of course, people complained about some of the stuff, but um, I th- I thought it was really good, and then. I got a chance to listen to one of the shows. Thank you, Tapers, and uh, I thought it sounded really good to me. Well, and, and interesting to note that there was a boom camera there sweeping across, and usually that's the sign for a DVD release. Not always, but usually. So that you got to wonder if um, if there's going to be a DVD release of this. They certainly had enough cameras there, that's for sure. Yeah, or, or like a TV special is their time you see that kind of thing for. So in case this is going to go to... PBS or something like that. That's the other time you see that kind of thing. Right. And and actually they did that with uh, Dave did a little show uh, at that winery, the Robert uh, Madalvi uh, winery, and played a little show, and, and American Express had something to do with that, and, and word is that they're going to end up doing a commercial uh, out of that with Dave and use some of the songs for that. So that's probably something that's going to work out. Of course, they'll probably end up mixing it now that I said that, but that's part <laughs> of the plan, at least, from what I heard. So there, there was a private show too in Vegas. Is that the private show, or is there a separate private show? There was a no, there was one in November that they did out in California ah, at the winery. Vegas. But yeah, there was a private show that uh, yeah. Dave actually debuted a new song too. Um, that song, that, I don't know if you got to hear it, but I, that would be a great Dave solo song. I don't know how it would turn out for DMB, but for, I could totally see that being on a Dave solo album again, like a, a second cell. And that song just was pretty cool. I like it a lot. Right, and of course, people have already named it because I think 
they're in the freaking band and can name songs, but the song, of course, doesn't have a name, but he the lyrics do mention a hurricane. He, he specifically says it doesn't have a name yet, and people are still going on saying it has a name. You watch. The next show he does, we go, hurricane! Hurricane! Rock me black. These are the same people that go, how come, how come they have a turn Run While We Can into a song? Uh, because it's not called Run While we, we Can. It's called Break For It. People in the band named it. Okay, <laughs> let them name the song. That's what they do. <laughs> so, so apparently uh, it was T's night one. I haven't had a chance. The, the night I got to listen to was night two, and so uh, I haven't got to listen to the other one. So apparently someone's saying it was T's night one. It was right before So Damn Lucky. So that's how much I feel so left out. My husband buried in code. I've kind of stayed away from the boards for quite a while here. I'm, I'm apparently I'm missing out on a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, you should see what we've done with the place. We vacuumed and everything. <laughs> well, yeah, so what is what is buried? Before we got sidetracked about the... that about the 2009 tour. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I sort of really pressed up a lot, and I, I thought it was really the best tour of, of the entire decade. And I know. You know, I caught a lot of grief for that, but I catch a lot of grief for everything I do. It's no big deal. I can live with that. But I, I, the reason I even say that is if you look at just the whole crux of it, all the new stuff worked great live. All, yeah. I mean, all the new stuff. Y- you could take the song that you dislike the most from the new album, which for 90% of the people, it's you and me. But you and me sounds good live. It, it, it does. It does. So you have all the new stuff brought in. Halloween got played like a billion times. It's. I think it is the tour, when you look at the whole body of songs played, I mean, yeah, sure, you can always go back and say, yeah, they should play to Say Goodbye more, they should play Typical Situation more, but on the whole, from as long as it was, from way early in spring all the way through, I think it's the best tour of the decade. Yeah, I, I mean, and you get these the different kind of fans, some fans that... They want to hear, so they play Halloween at one place, and they want they want them to play it at their venue. So then it ends up getting they want the song to be played a whole bunch, and then there's some of us that you know, I'm happy if it gets played once, and it's not at the venue that I'm seeing go because I'm gonna get to hear it online thanks to the tapers. Um, and I think that's just as good. Just hearing the band come back and play it again, even though if it's not at the show I'm at, I'd then play the song once and then move on and not just play the heck out of it over and over again. It's funny you mentioned this because I was. On the way, I was driving right before the podcast, I uh, had a dry, long drive, and I, for some reason, decided to listen to the Warehouse 8 volumes, and I listened to them in backwards order, and it was like a, very refreshing to hear all these songs that they're not playing right now, and it just felt really good, and they're, they're songs like So Right, Angel, Hello Again, Joyride, I mean, like songs that... Maybe people don't want to hear at the shows, but to me, the, the variety is what keeps it going. Well, that's kind of been their MO. I, I mean, not just with Halloween, but th- there'll be a song that's just so incredibly rare that maybe they'll play it once every couple of years, if not rarer than that. And then they'll play it four shows out of five. And, and that, to me, I, I understand that uh, You know, if I went to a show right after when they played a rare song and, and didn't play it, I'd be bummed. But then maybe when you get it, it's that much more special. Uh, the only time that they didn't pull that was the wonderful Winter 2000 Tour Closer after the Sex Machine, I think they played Halloween <laughs> that night with James Brown, and then they laid egg down in D.C. But, um, <laughs> for the, really, for the Matt, you've never brought that right? up before. I know, I've never talked about that before. It's still sore. But it, w- what's nice, though, too, is 2009, I'll agree with you, Jake, I think it's a fantastic tour, but it also 
contains one of my favorite moments of any show I've ever been to. And it wasn't really the band that put on the event. It was more of when we first heard the notes of Halloween in the encores back night two, and Joe Malaszewski let his girlfriend in the dust as he just completely <laughs> just set fire to the path on the way back to the sea. And, uh, I mean, it, it came down to if she said me or Halloween, he, he wouldn't even have been around to answer. <laughs> it's like a Miller Lite commercial. I knew she could handle her own. I didn't have any worries. I knew she was right going to be right by me. Oh. <laughs> well, Joe throws her around to get more leverage and a quicker head start. <laughs> but, you know, I think I mentioned this last time at the last podcast was I knew what in, in West Palm, I knew what the uh, what the set list was going to be. So I knew Halloween wasn't on it for night two. And, and I was sitting there in my seat. And, you know, usually I'm way in the parking lot by the time the encore starts. And I just said, you know, I got this funny feeling because that two-step was so awesome that they're going to go ahead and they're going to play Halloween. And just, you know, just anticipation of waiting for it. And as soon as Carter started his little drum solo, it was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. They're going to play it. They're going to play it. It's just one of the – it's like a rite of passage for fans, especially fans that have followed the band for a long time. A lot of people, that's that one song they haven't heard. Right. So I'm very happy I got that out of the way. And I think that's – really another thing that makes the 2009 tour special. There's a lot of fans that didn't hear Halloween, besides myself, um, or at least I had heard it in a very long time, um, got to hear it. And, and it's really, I think I think that's really what helps it go over the top. That and the maturity of the songs. I mean, you can go back to the beginning of Lying in the Hands of God, which I know you and I are, are all of us here, Maddie and Joe, we heard it, and I don't think we were that impressed with it the very first time we heard it. Wrong. And I think all three of us have changed our tune a lot on that. Wrong. No words in my mouth, Jake, okay. man. <laughs> okay, you liked it. Yeah, no, I didn't I, like I, it, but I think it came a long way. If you look back, either on a post on Ants and on Twitter, you'll see my ranking, my initial ranking of the songs, and I want to say uh, Lightbog, or whatever you want to call it, was in the top three. It was like Squirm, and it could have been Lying in the Hands, and... It was up there. Yeah. Well, you two go to hell. How's that? Well, sound? I think, <laughs> I think, um, uh, it's funny because uh, it kind of got overplayed in two thousand or not two thousand. I'm sorry, ninety eight, maybe a lot ninety nine. Um, one of those, uh, and, and then of course two thousand and three, which was like, okay, let's bring every rare song back and play the hell out of it till your tight till your ears bleed. So it's good and bad. But uh, one of those songs is kind of slipping into Halloween and Lisa Me uh, territory is the last stop. Um, it's obviously a challenging song for Dave's voice because it does require a lot of passion, a lot of energy, a lot of screaming going on. But at the same time, if they do it right, um, it's awesome. Now, in 03, they didn't have Tim, so that was missing a lot. Um, I really think they could do it justice if they broke it out again. And it's it's just a song that I've never, you know, I would never tire of hearing it. It's just so much energy, and it's such a high and such a low. Almost, you know, seek up style when it comes to the range on where they go with that song. And that's one that I really, you know, wish that they would put into the rotate more. It's, it's a great song. I mean, it's, and it's even a better live song. So I, you know, I just don't see why they don't play that, and I wish they would. Well, you know, I, to be honest with you, if you asked, if you said to me, we're going to play a Middle Eastern-themed song, I would rather Minarets with Tim. Because, A, because the song Minarets was inspired by Tim. Dave wrote it kind of based on Tim's Eastern... Uh, Eastern style of playing, and I always thought that's a song I'd love to hear Tim with the full band for that. So, if for me, if, if I had a choice between those two, you're only going to one next year in a semi rotation. I would rather hear Minarets, but you know that's me. I got Minarets at my second go ever in uh, SPAC 2000. Um, 
my first show being the um, Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo that year, um, which the first song they opened with Ants, so that was really a cool like first song ever to hear. But uh, they uh, they he did minarets on the string that back that year. They played they had Crash. Yeah, he played Crash on the twelve. I'm pretty sure. And then he started playing with minarets in between, and uh, and then went into that, which was just really cool because Carter had the gong behind him. Yeah. He slammed on that thing a few times. I love that. It was awesome. I got my minarets in 1996 at the U.S. Air Arena in Landover, Maryland. Well, that's because Drove, you were uh, like 27 years old in 1996. <laughs> that's actually, that's pretty damn old back then, actually. But uh, I actually drove up from Connecticut just to see the show, and... Uh, Oh man, I was just and and it was so mad too because he started playing and I was like, "What the hell are you people doing? It's minarets. Does somebody move." God, I always get that. Well, yeah, I mean that that happened Halloween. I felt like just just throwing midgets at people. It was ridiculous. You know what was cool? Uh, I can't remember if I talked about this before, but that one with it. When does that ever stop me? But uh, <laughs> um, just thinking of songs that people. Uh, even though they're new, you know, like a slower song, everyone's gone, you know, um, and even a slower song, like a pay for what you get, you're going to get a lot of people getting up and leaving, you know, bathroom break, beer break, but one of the things that was awesome was, um, the Spec Night 1 debut of Shake Me Like a Monkey, I, I just, to hear everybody sing the song, the first time they've ever played it live has got to be a real cool feeling, and on top of that, the opener the next night, I don't think one, you know, obviously no one's leaving during the opener, but still, that's a song that, you know, I don't think anybody's ever going to get up and say, okay, bathroom break song. Everyone was completely jamming and singing to that song that's back the first time they broke it out. That was cool. And that's that's sort of, you know, that just tells you about the band. The song's never been played live, and you've got literally half the audience singing along with it. That just that says a lot about what DMB is, and that's what it is. For people that have never seen the band live, and they're like, you know, why are they people all going to all these shows? That's what it is. I mean, they know all the lyrics. They get into it. They've got they've done a good job with the internet. Um, you know, Corin being a deadhead and all that kind of thing with the tape trading, they did a good job transitioning from tape to internet. A lot of bands panicked and said, okay, enough, no trade, you know, no downloading this and that. And really, I would say it hurt them. Um, you know, the band was. On the fence about downloading for a while, and I think they did the right thing by being less involved in, or at least not heavy-handed with how downloading's uh, handled. They allow they, you know, taping was never really in danger. Um, and then again, they they didn't want, um, I believe, archiving to happen of all the shows available online at first before BitTorrent came around. But they did allow um, that to go on. They allowed our server to stay even though they were in talks to maybe kind of put the kibosh on that. So that was cool. They allowed that to go on. And then when BitTorrent came up, they, um, you know, of course there were discussions internally, but they ultimately let it go. And I think it's helped them. I mean, listen, instead of one night in the in the early 90s playing a show at a local bar at Trex and having you know, 50 people know about it, you know, forever 10 people who knew the next day, now you've got only one person needs to hear it, and potentially millions could, could know about it. And they've done a good job at letting that momentum go. Um, it could have went the other way. We're pretty fortunate when it comes to that kind of thing. You know, and it's it, just to kind of, sorry, Joe, just to, to play off that a little bit, I think it's interesting the way they're doing uh, DMB Live because, yes, they've released shows that have been out there, quote unquote, but they've also released shows, they released one show that nobody had. They released um, the Warfield show the same night as Yoshi's, uh, the 510.95 show that 
the recording we had was garbage. Nothing against the taper, but it's just the taping wasn't as sophisticated as it is today, or even it was, you know, in the late '90s. And I think that they've done a good job with the DMB Live in that sense. Is they've released stuff, but they're not threatening the tapers. They're not threatening the stuff that people can download for free. Um, so I, I like the way they're doing things with that, and I, I think we're going to see more of that uh, this year and, and you know into the future. I think you're going to see more shows that are hard to get, or maybe from that 95 to 97 range when you know some tapes weren't out there all the way, some are a little sketchy. I think that's I I think that's the way it should go, but you know I don't actually get a vote well, or anything like that. But I think you're going to see a lot more of that. That that and the fact that I know when the whole DMB Live and, and that. Um, series first started, and even before they were doing, um, you know, their the Red Rock series and all that, they uh, they were really focused on quality, and they were you know, in recent years and saying, well, we'd love to put out some of these old shows, we just don't have the quality, and I think it would behoove them to really lighten up on that a little bit. Red Rocks were a fantastically captured show in terms of sound engineering. I mean. They did what they had to do in '95. They recorded it. And the, you know, the obviously this audio is much more sophisticated. But Red Rocks is my favorite release because of how it sounds, not in spite of it. And, and it's um, it's something that I think they're getting loose around, like you said, Jake, with the with the release from '95. Um, I'd love to see them really dip deep into their earlier catalog for sure. That would be real cool. Well, I, you know, I I, I kind of wonder what they're going to do with the early stuff. I don't know what they have that we don't have. Um, my general thinking is they don't have a whole lot that, that's beyond what we have. But I would guess that you're going to see, if they have anything like from 92 or even 91, I think you're going to see them go that route to get the stuff out. Because that's not the kind of thing that they could really get to in a live tracks sort of thing. Just, you know, just wondering how the heck it's going to go. I, I, I would think... That wouldn't work, but you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, they had, had an original plan to release that ninety three show. Well, that was the uh, one twenty seven ninety three. Is that correct, Jake? When they were playing that, they opened with Spotlight. That show, right? Yes, it was. That was uh, that was the show they were originally going to release in lieu of the Dave and Tim show. Um, yes, Luther. And then they something happened. Somebody said, according to the story, someone in the record company said it was too old. So they decided not to release it, and they'd actually got pushed back to a show, I think, in um, either Jersey City or Camden. I'm not sure. It's actually on uh, – it's in the Tour Central. You can look it up, like search live tracks. It's in, it's in a 96. I know that. Um, and then they decided to go ahead and do the Dave and Tim Luther College show, which is interesting also because that was like the only show they played that year that didn't have a cover song in it. So, so it worked out well for them to – not have to uh, pay for the royalties or anything like that on a cover song. It wasn't the best show of the 96 tour, but it certainly was a great, great release. And I think that really helped establish the Dave and Tim stuff to go and be something that people want to go to. Jake, did that release go number one? Something wants to say it. Some, some part of me wants to tell me it did, and, and part of me says no. You know, I, I, I don't know. I really, I, I don't know any of the, what anything really I, did. I doubt it. You think it really did? No, that would be, me, that'd be quite a feat. Maybe it wasn't number one, but um, it really it hit the charts. A live acoustic. It may, it may certified, which is is pretty good. I mean, for it to still to certify it, uh, it, for a live album, it but. got some kind of accolade, whether it broke the top ten or whatever. That that 
was pretty significant, being that it was their first release in a, a live acoustic duo. It was kind of, you know, rare for that kind of release. And it, but I know it was significant. I need to open another beer. Do, do you want to do this off the record? No, you can go right ahead. Of, you know what? While you do that, let me run and get one. You guys commence talking. <laughs> Brought to you by our good friends Tabasco and Star Hill, which is providing the Northern Lights that I'm consuming right now, which is available in the great state of Florida. That's very nice. I'm jealous that I can't get it, and uh, I'm also jealous that I can't get that new bottle of wine that uh, that Blenheim just came out with. That's got the uh, the label de- uh, designed by Dave. Well, I can get actually, that for you. Uh, Joseph. You can because you live in the great state of Ohio. They don't ship to Ohio. Yes, according to their website, they do. Well, that must have just changed. Hey, Joe. But, just in case. They don't. I will buy one and ship them to you. Unlike Jake, <laughs> won't buy me a twelve or a Star Hill and ship it to me because he's afraid the big bad postman's gonna throw him in jail. Those postmaster generals, you gotta watch out for. I them. know you gotta watch out for them. Well, I have I have a unique relationship with all of the um, postmasters around here because the yes, I bet you do have a unique relationship. Yeah. Is there any is there any flammable stuff in here? No. Okay, send it on its way. That's tough. I know. Well, I had to lie about the Ants Wolf shirts because they're pretty flammable. Oh my I mean, God. they're just awesome. And you write invaluable when they ask you, like, when you insure it. I, well, I think I wrote $1 billion for the one I shipped to Europe. Sir, your total for shipping is $4,327, including insurance. It's worth it. <laughs> um, well, speaking of the live albums, um, boy, I'm trying, I don't even know the count. It's got to be in the dozens. How many releases did we see this decade? Um, Oh we, my gosh. We started what out de- with... What did the decade start The decade starts uh, officially? The decade no, it starts... starts with 2000, but what album would you say it starts with? Every day if you want to go official. You wouldn't, See, you I wouldn't, wouldn't, say, you wouldn't say Lily White. Uh, I no. would say Lily White. Was that, an official, was that an official record? No, it wasn't, but that's, yeah. that's why I posed the question. No, I mean, so it's, I mean, it's not official, so technically, no. Guy that can't... The guy can't like pull his arms away from from the album is not counting it as part as part of the decade. I I think you got to count it. I think you got to count that. I I think honestly I think you got to count that. You got to count some devil in the body of works. And I think you should count Boyd's album. You just count it all. Oh, yeah. of course you count some devil and Boyd's album. I mean they're official releases, and I you know, I would count the Lily Whites too, but it's you know. It's just a matter of, is it official? No, technically not. All right. Well, you can argue. It's quite the start, we'll put it that way, to start the, start the decade. And the finish was uh, pretty strong, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just everything in between that didn't work out too well. <laughs> no, I mean, they blew it with busted stuff. I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that, but um, I'd rather they not even have released busted stuff. Oh, you Never Know was a great song, but they would have trickled out somewhere along the line. If it didn't come out on, on, well, we can't exactly say that here. Cigarette Lit is still sitting on a shelf somewhere collecting dust. But you would think you know, most good songs would, would make their way to an album. You know, it's funny you guys say that, too, because um, there was a thread in the message boards. I don't know if you guys know where that is. I can send you a link later to it. Oh. But there was a thread where somebody put up a poll and said, what's a better album, Big Whisk versus Busted Stuff? And he predicted it was going to basically finish 50-50, and it pretty much did. And I think that has a lot to do with... The, the people that weren't around back when the whole Lily White buses stuff happened, because you know, to most people, 
I would think that um, that the Lillywhite session, despite the inferior quality of it, is a better album on the whole. But for some reason, you know, people tend to think that they're about the same. I disagree with your reasoning on that. Okay. I think it's less about new listeners who weren't aware of Lillywhite sessions or that whole ordeal, and I think it's more about people who refuse, who refuse to admit that. Any recording of those precious Lily White songs, which a lot of them are, don't get me wrong, but I think they refuse to think that there could be a bad version of them or a lazy version or a lazy recording of them. But the reality is, I've heard what the songs can be or what they, well, a fraction of what they could be, and Butts' stuff was a layup that they missed. And and I think people are afraid to admit to themselves that hey, this album, you know, isn't that good. They're afraid to say, oh, the Gray Street's not good, or Kit Kat Jam's not good, or Captain's not good. I think it's more about that than necessarily a new fan who's not aware. Yeah. And and I, I, I don't understand how people say it, but they do. I, I've read it before. People like the Buzzsaw Captain better than the Lily White Captain, and I don't even think it's close. I mean, I can see an argument with Gray Street. You know, cause the lyrics aren't formed for Gray Street. I can see Raven. People could like... The early version of Raven because it's rough and hard. I, I get it. But, you know, the Captain one, I don't get. The bus stuff, I don't get. The big, big-eyed big fish just oh. floors me. Well, Raven's one of the few songs I think that got better. I think, you know, I I'm, I might be in the minority here. The Lily White Raven was mumbling into the microphone, no direction, slow, depressed. I mean, depressing. Depressing bed. Whereas they tightened it up and there seemed the direction. There was passion to it. I liked it. Big-eyed fish is... is the the buses version is coat hanger abortion style. It's absolutely hideous, and it, it is. It, and that's perfect. Because I, believe, it's, I don't know what caused the downfall of that song, but it. it well, I don't know if it was bust. I mean, when they started playing that live, it sucked. I, I don't. Well, it's, it's a glorified intro to bartender now, and it's well, they don't even play it, but it's absolutely horrible now. It, it's a shadow of its former self, and I don't think it's ever coming back. And that's a shame because that. Even if it did represent Dave's depression at that time, man, was it ever real and gorgeous. It was so much better when it started with the story of a man yep. rather than starting with, I don't even know what it started with. Well, then, it turned in, then it turned into, look, I said the F word, everybody cheer. Yeah, that, which just uh, get me started. So how much, That's like how everybody much you, screaming for Dixie Chicken. Go how ahead, much, Joe, How much do you attribute the, uh, that to the producer, do you think, between the two albums? None, because what? Steve Harris kicked ass on Some Devil. He did. He did. I think Some Devil was yeah. a gr- great job produced. But, I think uh, the band went in, not to Steve personally, but said, producer, get the hell out of our face. We're going to sit in here and do nothing, and we want to get out of here as soon as possible. And I think It that's sure exactly. seems like it. I mean, I really, Steve it said, okay, guys, no problem. Because, I mean, you, you can't look at, at, at Busted Stuff and Some Devil and say, oh, clearly these were produced by the same guy. Right, right. Yeah. It, it's amazing, and you know, and to move on a little lot further on in the decade, and and this is getting more into the, the Ants Market Org um, era. Matt, I know you got a chance to listen to uh, to stand up early, mm-hmm. and you know, and your first impression was a lot more positive than it became yeah. even a month and a half after it got released. And I, I wrote this in a subsequent article about stand up. I kind of panned it. Um, you know, I, and I completely admit it. I was starstruck at listening to the album, you know, early. I completely, I wouldn't say sold out. I didn't mean to do it. It's just the excitement of hearing something new for the first time was like, wow. 
and that really, really clouded my vision and my judgment. Um, and giving it some time, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but hell if it's not honest. And, you know, hearing the songs, I still think Steady We Go a cool song. <laughs> um, I'm not exactly clamoring to hear it live, but I think it's a, a, a nice song. I thought it would be a bigger song than it was. I thought that'd be like a third single and a wedding song kind of thing. I really do. Um, but the album just completely... One thing I thought from the beginning, once I really tried to analyze it, was there are no hooks in this thing in terms of, you know, strong guitar licks, and there are zero lyrics to this album. Um, just you know, just horrible. Just horrible. Um, I mean, I, I, I get it. Our finest hour arrived. I heard it three times in three yeah. different songs. I get it. Uh, what do you expect? You, you've got a producer who is completely, uh, you know, when a hip-hop producer, Mark's good, but... That's, you know, he's got his focus, obviously. And I think it's all about beats and building stuff around loops. And I, you know, those lyrics were plugged in later, obviously. Uh, and what strikes me as weird is, is Dave has not necessarily oh, historically been a long-term lyrical writer. I mean, he swung, he swung for the, you know, fences with Before These Crowded Streets, and I think he wrote those things in the last two days of the session. And they're brilliant. So, I mean, it's not unprecedented or it never, you know... It hasn't like it hasn't been happened before where he's come out with good lyrics at the end of the string. But uh, I don't think they were ever really... They were well, such... I think it, I, we weren't there. We don't know what it was. But it, it seems like clearly the the they really wanted to get the music down. And they're just like, yeah, we'll just fill it in with whatever. Say fine, it's arrived. Say it again. What the hell? Go ahead, say it again. Wait, you already have a song that sounds just like that? It's called Rapunzel? Eh, don't worry about it. Do it over again. They were completely we'll call it in Hunger flux. for the Great Life. From 2001 to 2000 and almost this entire deck, they were completely in flux. Now, I'm leaving out some devil. I mean, that was Dave's thing. But in terms of the band, it completely lost at sea for the better part of 10 years. Yeah. And then, but you know, the funny thing was that you two, I mean, because we all saw tours the whole decade. Every one of us saw a show every year. And you got to. You know, 2005, 2006, 2007, things changed. But things weren't necessarily better, but things got better live. Got a lot better. Started pairing things out a little bit, the songs that didn't work. They brought in some songs, Sweet Up and Down, they brought back, which was actually immensely popular with people. So that it's funny how, you know, behind the scenes, it seems as though things weren't working, but live, everything got really better really quickly. I mean, 2007 was a lot better than 2006. And 2006 wasn't a terrible tour, but it got a lot better in one year. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I, I would say so. What do you think, though? Yeah, I agree. And but and I would say, I mean, so the stats don't lie, right, about the decade. So the the, 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 uh, the figures are in, and DMB is ranked, and it comes, DMB comes in as number seven at the top grossing act of, of the decade, excuse me. With and, an average uh, ticket price probably of about... $55. Yeah, very low, yes. Uh, and they played tons of shows. But So what they did rank number one as more than any other act uh, in the decade was highest attendance. They had the most people um, in their shows, somewhere over 11 million people um, attend their shows. They had, they had just as many sellouts as U2. And what year did it stop playing stadiums? Like, oh, two? Oh, one. That's that's one. incredible. After, after every day. That was only, it. only two years out of the whole decade, they're playing stadiums and they still seat more than, than the Rolling Stones who are, who are who are playing stadiums every other night? Yep. Yeah. Rolling well, Stones it, only had about 8 million, so yeah, 
more than them. That's incredible. That is incredible. And, and you know, the funny thing about that is you, you look around, you go to a show, just, you know, next time you go to a show, just kind of ask the person next to you or, you know, behind you in front of you, how many shows have you seen? You know, this is my 30th show. This is my 21st show. It's my ninth show. You know, it's, it's, it's the point where it's the same people going to the shows too, but yet the audience is growing. It's, it's amazing. I, it just, you know, I talk to people who aren't really into the community in my life here, and when it comes up and they say, well, you know, how many times have you seen them? And I tell them, which is 49, and me on this podcast saying 49, I'm like a rookie. It really, really is. I mean, they look at me, you've seen them 49 times? I said, ah, you ain't seen nothing. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people have seen a lot more shows than me. So yep. even in this little group here, Jake and Joe, I think I'm, I'm the, the... And it's um, hard for the West Coasters, I'll say, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've only seen, I think I've seen like 30. I know, Joe, you've seen more than me. You saw, Joe, you saw 30 last year, right? <laughs> I saw over You saw more shows than Dave last year. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we did it up. So we'll see what happens with this year's tour and what comes out, because obviously a lot, a lot of stuff coming out. They already announced the festival in, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, Churchill Downs, and uh, lots of other stuff coming out. Different different venues are on the, on the down low confirming stuff, so. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I mean... I think I mean, we're not going to confirm it yet. Obviously, the gorge is out there. It's seemingly going to be uh, around a time that it's been in the past, and and it seems like the West Palm Beach shows are going to be around the same time they've been in the past. So it seems like everything's lining up uh, as it has in the last two years. We, which it's going to be interesting to see what the special shows will be or what the, the unique venues are. Right? Is it going to be a ballpark? Is it going to be outdoor theater somewhere in Colorado? Uh, you know, what's it going to be? Well, they've been talking about stadiums too again, right? Isn't that the whisper that I've heard the last year or so? I, I, from what I've heard, um, they, they've got a couple of, um, of stadiums that they've talked with. You know, it's not just as easy as, as saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play it. Wrigley Field, especially with Wrigley Field in particular, because things have to go through a, a, a vote in Wrigley. There's a commission, and it's not as simple as just saying we would like to play there. Um, if you said to me, you know, if you gave me like a list of five stadiums, I think there's a good chance that they're going to play three stadiums, baseball stadiums this summer. Um, I think Wrigley is high on that list. But don't forget, Alpine is just, you know, a mecca for fans. And, and Alpine's only, what, about an hour, a little more than an hour outside of Chicago, the general Chicago area. So and, you know, that's another one. I'm looking at the, the live um, the live podcast as it's going on, and, and I've, I've been thinking the same thing. They should play in Dallas in the new stadium there, that billion-dollar place. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be really cool. Well, I mean, if, if freaking U2 can play there, and this is something that's it's been on my mind for a while. I mean... Think about American bands that are touring. Okay, name me a bigger American band than the Dave Matthews Band. You can't. N- name name one of all time. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> okay, I'll give you Jackson Five. I'll give you the Supremes. You can have those too. Name name the band that's above Dave Matthews Band that's from America. Metallica. Exactly. <laughs> Fog hat. Spandau Ballet. Is Spandau Ballet from here? Yeah, Jonas Brothers. How about how about uh, In Sync? But really... seriously, I mean, you know, this is a band that's been playing for 19 years now, and you know, they go out. All they do is go out, and they get no radio play whatsoever. They get no media hype whatsoever. They get no love from anyone, and they go out and they sell out a show. They could they could say right now. 
we're going to go play a show in Boise, Idaho tomorrow night, and they'll have a thousand people from the Eastern Time Zone fly out there. Yep. 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 Yeah. yeah. No. That's that's the draw of them. Now you were saying a couple things. It's funny because you say this, uh, you know, when you mentioned Alpine. I've never been to Alpine, so I'm you know I'm not familiar with it, but. You know, when you think big venues, you got the Gorge Alpine SPAC, pretty much the big three. Um, the Alpine venue, by far, is the most attended show of ants every single year. Uh, yeah. When you see how many ants are at that show, Alpine's like 15% of the venue is ants, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, Gorge is always high, SPAC is always high, but, but Alpine's always way up there. And, you know, that's cool. And I, being living out here on the West Coast, got the opportunity to hit the Gorge this year. And it's funny because uh, I don't think we've the podcast since that show. That was Labor Weekend, right? Correct. You skipped out on the last one. Um, yeah, we did it without you. <laughs> and, yeah, and here I am with uh, my own feelings about the East Coast Saratoga crowd being a little overzealous and chanting. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. But I'll say this. After doing the Gorge, at least East Coast fans have a little bit of moxie to them, a little energy. These guys out here in the West Coast sleep. I don't care if it's three nights or whatever, or we're just sitting there and staring at the at the at the gorge or the canyon. But I've never seen a, a crowd bore more than that show. Now, granted, the band was pretty much playing it up too. Uh, they were after seeing all these monsters set every you know all three nights for the last six years. Um, relatively, the shows were kind of poor. I yeah, was like Dave's voice was like on crutches. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I know you guys were there, but I mean, just. Don't forget, guys, that, you know, they, they just come over his voice issues. And, you know, 80% of the crowd knew that, too. I think 80% of the crowd was like, just don't scream, don't scream. And, and, and we like Danny, don't have him come out one more time. <laughs> you know, I, I really think that's what it was, and I think that's what happened. Uh, and, I mean, if you look at the entire decade of the Gorge, you know, the, no one's going to say, yeah, 2009 was the greatest Gorge of all time. Wait, wait, wait. 2003 was the Gorge they recorded, right? They released? I believe so. I think they did pretty much everything in the catalog with no voice. Yeah, that's, no, that's no. Uh-uh. So I don't want to hear. I eighty percent of the people did not know about his voice. I will guarantee you that. And nor would they care if they did know about it. It just it it was it was weak to the point where do I really want to spend my entire week camping out at some lousy campground in the middle of nowhere uh, again? I don't know. We'll see. Maybe my money's better spent flying out to the coast, but. I really was disappointed with not only the band's effort, but the crowd's effort. Now, maybe one can feed the other and be blamed for the other, but I don't know, man. It was different than what I've read on paper for the last half decade, that's for sure. Yeah. That's how I feel about that, damn it. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> don't, don't hold back. Release it. Let it go. That You know what? That right there was three months of buildups right there. Now I'm okay. I know. I know. It, 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 I was going to say, Jake looks like he's like you're like trying to, like, Look at that roll, too. He's got mood lighting going on with these candles all around him right now. You like that? For, th- for those that can't see. Jake equals passion. <laughs> of course, Jake and I are both wearing our Ants Wolf shirts, so I think it's all that testosterone that's in me from wearing Wolf shirts, tube socks, and drinking my two-liter Mountain Dew right now. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Scott socks, which you guys don't understand, but that's okay. Some people will. <laughs> you guys see the orbs? Orbs. Orbs. Um... <laughs> well, another thing, uh, I know that I've kind of been out of it lately in terms of within the community, but I've been working hard. Um, I won't go into this too much because this is not Dave Matthews band related, but back in August, I dumped my iPhone 
couldn't deal with AT&T anymore, and that's all I'll say on that. But I have since gotten um, a Palm Prix on Sprint. Extremely happy on all fronts. Uh, it's not quite there in terms of um, games and sophisticated apps like the iPhone is. But it's a really cool platform. It's got some cool structure where it gives you notifications while you're running other applications and it doesn't need to get in your way. You don't need to dismiss them. And one of the things that I thought was, wow, this would really be a cool platform for a set list application where, you know, you'll be in the middle of texting somebody, boom, band's playing, something pops along the bottom and says, this song is, uh, you know, now being played by the band. Next song, Don't Drink the Water. Next song, Two Step. Um, the the WebOS there on the Palm phones is really a perfect fit for that kind of application. So I went to work and learned, and uh, just this past week, the Palm app catalog posted a DMB Live set list. It is free. Um, quick and easy to download. Right now, it doesn't do anything because obviously there's no shows going on. And this weekend would have been a cool test for um, this past weekend for the Vegas shows, but it wasn't in the catalog yet. And on top of that, the band did not stream their set list to the website. So it was moot anyway. But it's now available in the Palm App catalog for free. All you got to do is fire them up when a show is going on, and yeah. it will automatically up and let it, you know, instantly almost and tell you when a song being played. Joe, you want to say something? No, I think what's going to be sweet is the the Europe tour that's coming up, and that's all going to be going on, you know, during the day. So, like, you know, when the West Coast shows are going on, all the East Coast people are, like, dreaming about uh, coming back to the East Coast, and they don't see the set list, but with the Europe shows, it's all going to be during the day, so it's going to be, everyone's going to be watching the sets while they're working or eating dinner or whatever. Everyone's going to, everybody that's obsessed as some of us uh, will be watching it. Well, exactly. That is, that's going to be fun, and... Uh, it, it's it's just something that you can also see the main set list. You see the entire set list as it goes, but every time a new song comes up, your little notification pops up on the bottom of the screen, which is cool. And something else that I wrote, um, we're charging 99 cents for it. Um, there was quite a bit of development time into this, so I think it, it was something that we should charge for. Um, but what's nice is once you've bought it, the updates that are free. And even before 1.0 went to the app catalog, I already started work on 2.0, <laughs> so... It, I'm going to be pushing updates to the thing nonstop. Um, it's Ants Tour Central. If you're an iPhone user and you've went to www.antsmarching.org/iphone on your iPhone, it's uh, you can kind of scroll through the years and the tours and browse and look things like that. It's similar to that. Uh, it's an app that you load on there and you basically browse through the years and check out the set list. Check out, and then you can also read reviews on on each set, which is nice. That's version one. Version two, which is coming down the pipe, hopefully in a few weeks here, um, you'll be able to say I was at. You'll be able to log in with your ANS credentials. You'll be able to say I was at the show. Um, you, I might even allow reviews from the phone itself. Uh, you'll be able to give reviews in terms of your rating on the show, uh, things like that. You'll be able to see the ANS that attended the show, uh, where they were sitting, things like that. That's what's in the works anyway. Eventually, hoping to do a setless game. Other things that are um, part of the site, we're going to bring the mobile experience. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, you're going to do iPhone stuff? Maybe. Um, it's a little more difficult of a development environment, so it's going to take some significant, significantly more resources. Um, I'm not... I, it's kind of like... Um, it's something that I'm looking to. This live setlist app isn't conducive to the iPhone's uh, notifications, uh, so I'm not sure about that. But uh, another thing that we're, we have in different for the next tour, somebody um, asked a question about that. Keynes did in the chat room here on Ustream. I'm sorry I'm babbling here, but I'll get through it. <laughs> Jake's like falling asleep. Take your time. 
<sighs> we are going to be revamping Ant's life. Right, right now, um, right now, or in previous if you're Addo, you go ahead and you text or send a picture message to uh, live at antsmarching.org, and it goes up on the Ant's Live. The people who are at home watching the set list, they can see people's texts or pictures they're sending from the show. Well, what people are doing now is they're going on Twitter and tweeting during the show. And we said, why make people go through another method to send messages out? Just ants. It's kind of, let us ride the wave of Twitter. So what we're doing, and we officially announced it on the site. We haven't officially um, integrated it into the site. But you'll be able to go to your ants uh, marching account. And what you'll do is you'll put your Twitter username in, the name you have on Twitter once you've logged into ants. It'll then link up to your Twitter account. And then during the show, if you said you're going to that show in Tour Central, it will follow your tweets and keep an eye for your Twitter account. Anything you tweet during the show will be retransmitted on Ants Live. So that's going on the assumption that if you're tweeting during the show that you're at, you're probably tweeting about the show. I think it's a pretty safe assumption. And I'm we sure hope. we'll run into a few you know, cases where that's not the spot. By and large, hey, that Johnny, will be the case. Hey, Johnny, pick me up on the East uh, parking lot. <laughs> right. But that'll give a real nice live stream um, action on what's going on at the show, what people are experiencing. And, and we really think it's working Ants Live, the original concept, and really embracing Twitter. I think it's a great combination. We're really psyched about that. I think it's sweet. I think that's really going to – yeah, that's going to cause a lot more people to interact with it. It's, just, it's a lot easier to do it that way also um, than Ants Live. Not that there's anything wrong with Ants Live, but just Twitter so kind of universally accepted now. I think that that's going to get a lot easier people for people to do that, send videos, pictures, tweets, everything. And I think it'll be quite interesting that people at the show can be communicating with other people at the show that they have no idea who they are or where they're sitting, and they all could be saying things about the show or pointing things out, and, and all of us at home uh, are able to hear all the inter interesting details what the show's going on. Definitely. So we don't have any future shows in Tour Central right now, Joe. When's the next uh, tour startup? The, the Europe tour is uh, coming up here, not too, not too long. Yeah, and we've got the we got to add the uh, the Dave performance for uh, the Neil Young thing. That's in January. And Joe that has is... to put the Europe shows in Tour Central too. Joe has to. Joe has. To. <laughs> yes, and also we need you to add. Uh, DMB's going to perform at the Grammys because they're nominated. That's just something that goes with all the bands that are that are nominated. That's so something. it's not officially announced yet, but they will be. Performing. I wanted to. Um, I wanted to bring that up. When we we're talking about albums. Yeah. That, uh, they went to. They went to that and went to being nominated. And um, yeah, it'd be sweet if they perform. I'm curious what, what they'll perform for their Grammy nomination. But what are your guys thoughts? I hope they perform Halloween and drop like seven f bombs. <laughs> they'll sort of like uh, who did that? Uh, Rage, uh, Rage. Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. You know, actually, what would be? They won't do it, and I can understand why they wouldn't, but. I'd like for them to do something like Elvis Costello did back on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live um, back in the 70s. He came out and started playing his radio song. He's like, no, I'm not going to play this. I want to play the song that I want to play. So, you know, I'd love for them to start off with stupid you and me and bust and like, shake me like a monkey or something. That would that be great. That would be sweet. That would be awesome. Okay. How about this? Joe, Jake. Is the nomination a mea culpa for leaving Roy out of the tribute last year? I don't think so. Um, but it's all I could think of when I heard that. But I, I don't think so. I, mean, I think, yes. I think it's, uh, Big Whiskey deserves to be nominated, without a doubt. That's exactly what it is. It deserves to be nominated on its own. But. Does but, it seem that way? Yeah. But were they going to nominate it no matter what? Yeah. 
I'm not looking at the list from 98, but I mean, you know, Before These Crowded Streets was a well-put-together album from top to bottom. I mean, it told a story. It was very well done. That didn't get nominated. And he died in the band. So, you know, it, it makes you wonder if that's what it took for these stupid Grammy people to actually re- recognize, hey, this band's really good. And that's not fair. And it's, it's, it's not fair to Big Whiskey, the job that the band did, and the job that Rob did, and everybody behind the scenes did. Yeah. It's not fair to say, yeah, the only reason they did it is because because of Roy's passing. Oh, and, I, and I'm not saying that, but you gotta you got to ask yourself that. I mean, the bottom line is these award shows are really industry circle jerks for wherever you're watching. I mean, there really are... I mean, look at the, the, what was it, the Emmys? The Sopranos sit on the sidelines for, for the first three years where their show is absolutely at the top, and then in the fifth season they get the old, you know, kind of, um, by default, they win it in their fifth season. I mean, this is just, it, you know, a lot of these award shows are just, I don't know if it's, you know what I mean? It, it's too bad. I, I actually the best think they've got a really good shot at winning. I, I've Just when you look at the way it is, because there's so many similar albums, they're the one that's different from the other ones. You know, all yeah, the other votes so, get split up. Yeah, it's it's Beyonce's album, Black Eyed Peas, Lady Gaga, Taylor Swift, and DMB, and that's quite the young um, set of albums of the years by Grammy standards. Well, is that album of the year or is that rock album? That's album. It's album. That's the, that's the big one. That's album of the year. The, the last one. Now, what's the only other one you think that would have a legitimate shot at that? Out of those, would Ta- you- it's got to be Taylor Swift. Yeah, I, mean, I would agree. I'd agree. And you know what? I'd love to see the band win. I wouldn't be mad if Taylor Swift won because from what I – and I'm a Taylor Swift fan, but from what um, my girlfriend tells me for everything, she's a real artist from what I can tell. I, you know, I, I understand people think that she doesn't have the greatest voice in the world, but, I mean, she writes her own stuff for right. the most part. She tries hard. She's a good singer. She's a good songwriter. Hey, I don't have a problem own, at all. When you write your own stuff, for the most part, I, you've, got, you've got my respect. So whether you like Taylor Swift or not, she's – you know, wait, wait, let me. Wait, I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. But but Dave Matthews Band's got the best album. Shit. That's what I'm saying. Of all time. Of all time. <laughs> yeah, they have a harder chance in the rock album. Best rock album against ACDC, Eric Clapton, and and Steve Winwood, Green Day, and U2. Then Dave. Yeah, but you got you got to remember the Grammy people don't know what they're doing. The the best the very first best alternative rock winner was Jethro Tull. Jethro freaking tall, beat out like Pearl Jam and Allison Chains. So don't forget, these guys don't have a clue. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's just me. But um, hey, Jake, uh, uh, Hall and Oates got a uh, got nominated. Did they really? <laughs> For Sarah Smile, right? Yeah, Dude, Sarah I, Smile. <laughs> I love Hall. I am so mad. They were at SeaWorld last year, and I ended up working late, so I couldn't go. But I wanted to see them so bad. They just. <laughs> Rock. And you know what? Daryl Hall is one of the greatest singers of all time. He sings like he swallowed a very large black man coming out of his voice. It's amazing. <laughs> if him and Christina Aguilera ever had a kid, it would be the most talented kid of all time. They swallow Barry White? It, no, well, no, he sings a little bit more range than Barry White did. <laughs> but, I mean, I Daryl Hall is a good singer. Don't laugh. <laughs> Daryl Hall can sing. We're going to do a Hall Notes podcast if you want. <laughs> I think we're at the hour mark at this point. We're getting there. We're getting there. You guys got anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, I don't think so, unless anybody has like, really pressing questions they want to ask that are watching live right this very second. Jake, do we have any uh, 
different shirts for sale. I know you you were running with that for a while. Yeah, and we're sold, sold out. out of the we're sold out of the Christmas shirts. I'm completely out of those. Those things um, flew like crazy. Yeah, oh my God, they went out so quick. I actually do have two left, but that'll be uh, secret. You'll have to PM to get some if you know what I mean. <laughs> but uh, we still have some of the other shirts left. Not a lot, but I do have some left. So if you are interested in wearing an ant shirt, they are cheap. They are good quality stuff. Matt's wearing one right now. I'm wearing one right now. And the yep. wolf shirt, the ants wolf shirt, is pretty awesome. So if you're gonna buy an ants wolf shirt, I mean, just be careful. Actually, we're sold out, so you can't <laughs> I was buy gonna that. say that was limited edition. So yeah, I, I actually do have a couple of those left, so you can come to get some too. But that's <laughs> for the kids, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, sweet. But yeah, it's it's pretty scary wearing the ants. Joe and Matt, you guys have both worn your ants wolf shirts out. I mean, it's a little scary wearing it out in public. Uh, okay, gets. I was at the gorge, and <clears throat> I had flip flops. But they got wet night two, I think, and the the thong part between the toe and the second toe came off the platform. So I had to go get uh, flip flops at the local Walmart. So sure enough, I wore my wool shirt into the Walmart with one broken flip flop limping through Walmart. I went to the flip flop aisle. I picked up a five dollar pair of faded glory flip flops. I wore oh, yeah. them with the tag to the register. Took them off, scanned them, and put them back on, and walked out of Walmart. And that was—I I mean, I was—I was done with a pair of tube socks. I didn't have a three-liter Mountain Dew, so I went full flight with WT. But pretty damn close. What do you think? You, sh- you should have just took it, take that took it. <laughs> you should have just take take the oh, tag H. off of them. I know. You should have just taken the tag off of them and just give them give them the tag. Why did you have to t- take the shoes off? <laughs> well, I didn't feel like you know biting on the plastic uh, ring to break the tag off. Oh, you weren't your your hunting knife with you? <laughs> My Leatherman. Muggsy's wearing his, uh, his WT outfit, too. Muggsy's got his hunting oh. outfit on. A voice from beyond. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, gotta love the wool shirt, gotta represent. I almost wore it to work today. That, that, that would be a lot of awesome, actually. That's, that's a whole lot of awesome. So, anyway, yeah, buy a shirt, buy two. Pay for my kid's college, please. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that was our 25th episode. We're almost pushing up an hour here. We don't want to, you know, yep. hurt you guys anymore. We will see you guys all in O10 uh, when we will talk about O10 in our next podcast. O10? O10. I like, like to say O10. To O10? To O10. All right. <laughs> and where'd you go to school again? <laughs> I.O. Thanks for listening to the AntsMarching.org podcast. Visit antsmarching.org and be part of the largest DMB community on the internet. Show downloads, or central, personal show stats and set list game, and so much more. Antsmarching.org, the best stop for all things DMB.